Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Winners of the East London Challenge Cup soon after their formation in 1885. The old Millwall Rovers are now known to their roaring supporters as the last. Ladies and gentlemen, broadcasting from beautiful South Bermondsey, this is Octon Millwall. Welcome to the den, dear listeners. Welcome, all you twisted fire starters. I am your prodigy for the evening. My name is Nick Hart. You're listening to Akdung Millwall, of course. Welcome to the slightly um, unearthly, unearthly hour of um, 5:30 kickoff on a Saturday night. There's something deeply wrong about my Saturday routine being fucked around by the football league chasing their money. But anyway, there we are. That's the modern football for you that we're all against. We're awaiting the interest of the two teams for tonight's championship fixture between Millwall and Birmingham City. Big team news of the night is in subterfuge worthy of the uh, so-called General Patton's army who's going to attack the Pas de Calais before the uh, Operation Overlord in 1944. Steve Morrison's fit enough to start tonight. Subterfuge trickery and camouflage by Neil Harris. Tonight's team, Jill Narcher. We're going to let Dino do it. Colin McLaughlin, Meredith. Why am I repeating what you're saying? Sean Hutchinson, Greg's up front, Wallace on the wing, Tunnicliffe's in the middle, Morrow's up front, I bought the, um, I bought the fake news, Aidan O'Brien on the wing, Savile in midfields, and Jake Cooper in defence, they go in number order, not, not formation order, they should go in formation order, yes I bought the fake news, the mainstream media have been reporting that Steve Morrison probably wouldn't be fit for tonight's game. He had a stomach tear that kept him out of uh, last week's defeat over at Brentford, Griffin Park. But as it turns out, it was all one big piece of trickery by the master of the mind games himself, Neil Harris. And he's fit to start. Let's see how that shapes up. A lot of pissed blokes outside in Zampa Road as I walk down the um, Sunset Boulevard approaching the den. Um, I suppose they've had all day to get on the sauce. One or two have been on the cans. One bloke was having to slash over by the, uh, the hot dog stand. It's an evocative picture that I'm painting for you, dear listeners. But there it is. That's the reality of life on the Zampa Road, Ilderson Road, Crossroads, where Ian Holloway sold his soul famously to the devil in return for the perfect guitar lick. 
News it then tells us that the new Birmingham boss, new Brum boss, Steve Cotterill, has prioritised defensive improvements since taking over um, from the caretaker after Harry Redknapp's sacking. Cotterill instilled some defensive resilience apparently last week as they beat, yeah, they did beat Cardiff 1-0. So um, perhaps not as easy a task as it might have appeared had Harry still been running the show at St Andrews. Mill felt the score in five of their last 12 championship games. And they're hoping that the return of Morrow, the talisman, with Greg's up front, explodes that, that monkey off our back. And the team's about to enter the, uh, enter the stadium. Den's probably about half full. Um, windy night, grey clouds, windy, live on TV. So it's going to be a lot that don't show for this one. Being realistic. I'm here though. I always turn up. 45 years I've been turning up. I'm not going to stop now, dear listeners. 45 years. 1972, and that was a season, of course, that we nearly won promotion to the old first division. Our great rivals for that season being the self-same Birmingham City that we see tonight. They, they won out at uh, Orion on the last game of the season, uh, pushing us out of the promotion spot. Only the top two went up in those far-off days of dinosaurs, Tyrannosaurus's Rex and Brontosaurus's. Long while ago, seems only yesterday, that's a lifetime. Younger listeners, this will happen to you too one day. You'll be going on about right now in terms of being under yesterday and actually 50 years have gone past you. Like the Pink Floyd song says, one day you wake up to find 10 years have gone behind you. Now I'm depressing you, dear listeners, aren't I? Seems to be on the big screen. Morrow's up front, there he is. This is the lion's den, it says. So it is. Into the two teams, here we go. Decent atmosphere for a half full den. It's filling up rapidly now. Birmingham tonight in the white shirts and royal blue shorts. White stockings, the line's going to be in their familiar darker blue shirts and white shorts. Just put WhatsApp a message of disgusting scenes as police clash with Millwall and Birmingham fans at London Bridge. Disgusting scenes, there's the Daily Mirror. Let's have a look at it, if I can get it to um, download inside the Dens 4G wasteland. Let's have a look. Scenes of madness, says Chris Kitching of the Daily Mirror, as Mill and Birmingham fans clash like a riot in the street at London Bridge. Um, alcohol being thrown, smoke in the air, and the number of people detained. Uh, one Twitter user, Twitter that, always that kind of um, neutral medium says madness at London Bridge OMG police dog city police had to get involved it looked like a riot to me clearly not a long term Millwall fan ever posted that one so Lions going to be looking for a big result tonight they're, they're due a big performance says uh, I think it was Lee Gregory speaking to the news at then and after last week's disappointment in Brentford at Brentford we need a win I fancy a win I want it Birmingham are going to kick us off, attacking the cold blow lane end in the first half. You'll have seen all of this on the telly, but you won't, what you won't get on the telly is the real Millwall-style interjections, the ejaculations. You don't get that on mainstream television. Oh, here we go. Little flick header early on from Morrow now, trying to find Lee Gregory. Move breaks down, 30 seconds. We do miss uh, Morrison when he's not there. I mean, um, Elliot came into the game about half an hour to go last week, of course. Um, looked a little bit ring rusty, in all honesty. 
He's a different player to Morrison in, in overall. He's, he's clearly a much physically larger man, and he brings more brute strength. At the moment, and whether he can learn this remains to be seen, he probably lacks the guile, the uh, streetwise trickster trade that is Steve Morrison. Windy night in south-east London. The, the light is fading. There's a few clouds over in the far distance with the, the late evening sun just about picking out the, uh, the, the kind of uh, pink shade of the, of the high clouds. Otherwise, it's windy, and it's gonna, the temperature's going to drop. It's not too bad at the moment, but it's not a warm night, that's for sure. I'll try and put all these little bits of local weather colour in for all of you expats in the hot parts of the world. So Lee Gregory on the, on the break here. Finds Wallace on the inside. Little ball through the middle. Almost, almost beautiful. Three minutes and almost a, a nice little one-two between Gregory, Jed Wallace. Almost a perfectly weighted pass, just slightly too long. Lions pressing higher on the uh, Birmingham defence the, as they have the ball. Wing possession now on the right-hand side. Five minutes in. This is Wallace. It's going to go all the way back to Jordan Archer. We're pressing well from the front. Um, oh, something I always like to see personally. Tackling from the front two backwards. These evening games, whatever else they do, I think they provide... Um, uh, it's like a TripAdvisor thing to do when you're in London. There's a few faces around that are unfamiliar. Like, Mill's the kind of club, as, as listeners will know, where you get to know a lot of the same faces over and over. Um, but I think we've got a few tourists in tonight. A lot of European tourists in tonight. I suppose the pound being a little bit weaker, what with the old Brexit malarkey. Uh, makes it a cheap destination, and what better way to spend your early Saturday evening than Mill v Brum? Bit of London culture for you. So it's a Mill free kick, Jake Cooper's going to take on the halfway line, left side, almost on the, line, on the left byline. Ten minutes in, the images of uh, John Berylson and Constantine Gontikas fill the screen like a, like a Hollywood blockbuster inside the ground there. Uh, back to the action, this is um, ball falls from Jake Cooper, long towards Steve Morris into the box, it falls to Lee Gregory, takes some turns over the crossbar, only just, nice taken turn by Lee Gregory, he thrives on those little tuck downs from Steve Morrison, let's have a watch it again on the big replay, ball forward, little knock down, take and turn, and it was about a yard wide in the event, got closer from my angle, by Lee Gregory, nice work though. No, uh, started very brightly, a very, very crisp and on the ball, Looking to move the ball fast and, and furious forwards. 12 minutes coming up towards 13 minutes. Lions, by some measure, the, the brighter and more industrious of the two sides. Birmingham will be looking to get through this period unscathed. Birmingham now coming down the left on 15 minutes. Chance for a shot from distance. That was a block by the mill defence. Moment um, danger there. First real move forwards by Birmingham. Morrison, of course, been out with a tear to his stomach, as reported. Um, and all joking aside, um, he wasn't looking right in the first part of the season, uh, certainly in the most recent games. He still looks a touch um, like he's, he's slightly gingery walking around out there. He must be conscious of it. But that said, we do look a better team with him in the side. So um, how much of the uh, there's been a risk analysis done on, on fielding him tonight, I don't know. But whether he'll do the full 90, I, I doubt. Tom Elliott must show at some point. Balls into the box now towards Jake Cooper, gets a ball headed to it. Pushed over from close by Jake, uh, Jules Savile. Aidan O'Brien. Why do I keep confusing Jules Savile and Aidan O'Brien, dear listeners? Tweet me. Tell me why am I doing this? I've got a mental loop. Maybe I should go and get some therapy somewhere. Yeah, so in the Millwall style, we've started in the Millwall style, which we um, kind of love, don't we? Um, it's, it's basic and it's, it's um, when it works, it works very well. So far, 20 minutes in, we've, we've looked better, but no reward.
Birmingham, of course, is the uh, scene of the Peaky Blinders series, which I'm going to confess to you, dear listeners, I never quite got with. I struggled on the first couple of episodes with the whole Birmingham accent as a gangster um, accent. It's um, gangster accents for me are Glaswegian, London or New York, Chicago. You know what I mean, don't you, dear listeners? Um, I struggled with the Brummie accent as a gangster concept. Um, I know that some people rave about it. They tell me that it's, it's brilliant. I've never really watched... I watched one episode and couldn't really get with it. But um, ball forwards there. Gregory just uh, has the ball taken away from him. Mill pressing. Series, of course, has achieved iconic status. And the one show I did watch featured um, whatever his name was, Mr. Mr. Peaky Blinder, Mr. Blinder, going to St. Andrews in amongst the kind of a apocalyptic scene of Birmingham of the time, 1920s. Ball falls to Jeb Wallace in the edge of the penalty area. Steve Morrison on the left-hand side is going to go for a corner. Morrison leaves it. There was a moment, um, opportunity to put the ball in far to the far post, the Lee Gregory wanting, but uh, Morrison opts for the percentage ball of the corner. 24 minutes, Birmingham long throw on the right-hand side. It's, that is a long throw, actually. It's into the centre of the mill defence. Ball bouncing around down the far end. It's um, caught on the volley there, blocked by the mill defence. Another chance to play the ball wide left. Birmingham retain the, the em emphasis in attack here. That's going to go for a... Move breaks down. It's gone from a Birmingham throw on the far right, uh, left-hand side as I look. A lot of tourists in here tonight, dear listeners. A lot of tourists. A bunch of blokes down in front and they've got, got their beers going on. They're probably German or Dutch. They think you can have a beer in a football ground. I know it seems civilised, but it's illegal. Oh, well. They'll have to take their chances, won't they? Nice angle ball out rightwards. This is into the box from Conor McLaughlin. Almost finds Lee Gregory. 28 minutes. Nice move, Millwall! forwards, that's going to be too long for Lee Gregory dear listeners, Ryan certainly looking sharp a deserved reward but haven't yet found it, ball breaks this is Lee Gregory just outside the D he's got Aidan O'Brien overlapping him tries to back in by Meredith it breaks down somewhat there's a few selfies going on down to my right a few, a few um, foreigners, tourists doing selfies at the den what's become of us, this is what awaits us should we Get into the Premier League, dear listeners. It's not a pretty sight. It's good to know that the old traditions of Millwall, the old ruck at London Bridge with the Birmingham, based on a, a, an old Bill tweet, still work. We haven't quite lost it. Some things, thankfully, never change. There's, there's a, a bloke, a regular face in here, I should, should add, um, dressed for the summer down. He's got shorts and a, and a polo shirt on. Ain't that, ain't that warm, but he's dressed for the beach. I think a few of these are um, American football fans. Is the NFL playing this weekend? I think Twickenham or Wembley. LA Rams. Bloke's got a hat on. Well, there's a, that'll be a new experience. The word cunt in a sports context. You don't really get that in American sports at all. Morrison in with a tackle there. Nicely done. Ball wide. Right, this is McLaughlin now. Chance for Lions to spread play a little bit. It's going to be a chance for another free kick. Ball can be lofted, lofted into the uh, Birmingham box. A long ball forward towards Morrison. Runs into the, uh, is it the three? He's like a bit of a man mountain so far. Morrison looks small by the size of him. It'll be a Birmingham goal kick. We'll move down the right by Birmingham. This is a 14. Cross the face for the mill uh, box there. No one in there to take advantage of it. It's gone for a mill, uh, mill throw in on the far right hand side. I suppose Birmingham will feel that they've weathered the early storm. They were clinging on at one point with white knuckles as though they're on a roller coaster ride. They've certainly got past the initial adrenaline rush of the, of the Millwall start. Um, that was probably their best move so far, in, in all honesty. A ball across the six-yard box with no one there to take advantage of it. So they'll feel that they've probably seen the worst of the early storm off. 
Lions have certainly had the better of the ball in the first half, but we don't want to concede any silly free kicks like that one. Man worked it. I, think, I thought Hutchinson got the ball. He's gone down like a sack of potatoes. That's going to be a Birmingham free kick on the left side of the D. And they'll consider this their best chance of the first 40 minutes. Uh, Lions defence, Mill defence needs to be on best behaviours here. Stand its ground. Little training ground routine. We've got two Birmingham players just in front of the ball, masking it from Archer's side. You've got the Millwall wall at 10 yards. Man overruns, faints, ball takes a deflection off the shins of the wall and cleared. Birmingham still on the attack on the left. 41 minutes. A little bit of danger here for the Lions. Ball's put into the middle. Flick header taken comfortably enough, thank the Lord, by Jordan Archer. This saddle. Referee blows up with Millwall on the attack. Where do we get these people from? We're after last week's incident with the uh, disallowed goal, which we've all watched ad infinitum on, on YouTube since last week. The referee there blows up as Millwall bringing it away down the left-hand side. It gives us a free kick, but completely destroys any chance of an attack. So, lumped forward by Jordan Archer towards Steve Morrison. Ball bouncing around at the Birmingham end. It falls to Morrison. Here's a penalty area. Tries a little dink in the middle, and they're going to... By hook and by crook, get it cleared. Mill retain possession. Wallace now on the on the right-hand side. Can't get any space. Birmingham doing their utmost to deny a space to get any kind of crossing. They clearly see that as the danger area. Ball falls to Steve Morris on the volley over the bar. 43 and a half minutes. Moment to break for Birmingham now as we come down to the 45 minutes. There's the 11 on the right-hand side. He shoots across the goal. That was close. Break, break from midfield. The 11 pulls probably too far wide and shoots for the far left post. Misses it by some distance in the end, but it was, um, it was a moment's um, panic. There's half time, 0-0. Nil Lions um, certainly slightly brighter. They've probably taken the foot off the gas a little bit, as they will probably have had to from about the mid-part of the half onwards. Birmingham have pushed forwards on occasions, looked dangerous on a couple of occasions. Lions certainly will feel they had the better of that first half. But it's nil-nil at the break, dear listeners. Achtung, Mehlball. So we're going to break away now from the action here at the Den for a little bit of an interlude. I had a chance to speak to Crazy Horse about last week's game of Brentford. We're going to take you over there to a midweek conversation with Crazy Horse. And we'll be right back after that with the second half. The, the legendary sounds of the Osman brothers there, Pop Pickers. Big welcome to the show. It can only mean one thing. It is Crazy Horse himself, Neil Andrews. Welcome to the show, Neil. Cheers. If ever I take up dance, I've told you this before, uh, that would be my walk-on theme. And what a fantastic song it is. A, a real, a, you know, just a total aside to the show, but what a, what a radical departure for the Osman brothers. I mean, they were, you know, perhaps the original boy band, and they suddenly turned out one of the great slices of rock history on Crazy Horses, but... We digress, Neil. We di we digress, mate. Um, we do, but I do recall, I think it was Danny Baker or someone else um, on one of these TV shows, something about everyone used to go in and ask for crazy horses by the Osmonds and ask for it to be put in a brown paper bag because they were too embarrassed to be seen with it. <laughs> it's, a, it's a killer, killer track yeah. and, and totally at odds with all their other body of work. Um, perhaps only Paper Roses by Marie comes anywhere close to it. But anyway, we are now we are digressing. Um 
reason we're talking is I got a text from you on Saturday saying that you're in the director's box at Brentford, which is an interesting, <laughs> interesting twist of events. How did you come to be in the director's box? And what, you know, what, what took you in there, mate? The long and short of it was it was my birthday. Your birthday. Yeah, it was my birthday, so I'm expecting obviously lots of cards. Happy birthday. <laughs> Thanks for remembering. Related. Um, but anyway, uh, <laughs> a, a mate of mine from university, a very good friend of mine, who's actually also my youngest um, godfather, yeah. um, is a director at Brentford. Okay. And, uh, FC Mütterlund of um, Denmark. Right, okay. And uh, he's invited me to Denmark a couple of times. I've never been able to go with Stan, obviously. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, he, he said, you know, um, since he became director of Brentford, I think this is the first time we've actually played Brentford. Um, since he's taken no, their position, not, yeah. No, no, the, the previous time I couldn't make it. And um, well, that must be a couple so of years ago then, because that's when we, yeah. were, we were last there, wasn't it? Um, yeah, 2015. So, so he did say, you know, next time we're in um, the same league, you know, come down. So when the fixtures came out, lo and behold, it was on my birthday. Oh, so right. Really? Straight away, and um, me and my son Stan, who's been on the show, um, he we has. went down on Saturday, and. Um, saw life on the other side of the coin as it were in Brentford and um, yeah. I must say the first thing that struck me was the executive lounge was smaller than my grand's living room <laughs> well it's a very tight little ground I mean you, you would have been in that kind of yeah. side stand if I remember rightly I was in there a long time ago and you the, the steps up into the kind of higher um, parts of that side stand you almost yeah. simply going past people's um, bathroom windows you know you can almost look in the uh, yeah, it's, it's it's very old school, you know. It's a nice view, you know. It's a completely different view, you know. You've got the yeah. behind, etc. But, you know, it's sort of like you, you, you're in touching distance to the crowds, you know. Um, the the executive lounge is just a door that's just off the um, the main way to the family enclosure. Um, it sounds but, a bit like Cold Blow Lane used to be. That was, I mean, that was nothing impressive, was it? The old um, yeah, ex- yeah, executive lounge. Know, yeah. They look after you, you know, all the mill directors in there. I saw Pete Garson said hello. Okay, okay. And, and he asked what I was doing in there. <laughs> it's a fair um, question. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, it, it was it was interesting because um, I had Greg Dyke sitting behind me as well and Laurie Sanchez was sitting a few rows behind. Yeah. Um, but it, it was, you know, I mean, the actual experience, you know, I've been in, uh, obviously, the executive lounge at Millwall for a game when we used to do the fans eating together. Yeah, yeah, well. we got up there, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah, and um, I, I think I've been in Chelsea's... Uh, or some, I oh know I've been somewhere else, and um, but I, I quite liked it. It was the you know, it was like it was very homely and cozy, shall we say. I think it's uh, in keeping with the ground general, isn't it? I mean, it's um, yeah. they're building a new stadium just down at uh, Kew Bridge, which is not terribly yeah. far from where they are, but as, as a football ground, I mean, it's one of the last of the old school, and it's I always find it enjoyable to. I mean, when I was on the terraces at the the away end, but um, you're in the cheap seats, yeah. In the cheap seats, um, and you know, you, you forget it's, it's like when you go house hunting, you see one that's got character, you know, it means it's pretty shitty, really, because you can't see parts of the ground because the, the pillars are in the way. But it's it's old school and it, you know, it has a certain soul almost, isn't it? Well, um, halfway through the first half, uh, Stan turned around to me and said, Don't they have a scoreboard? And I said, <laughs> They've got two, like one in each corner, and he went. Oh, yeah. I didn't see that. That's modern youth, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Mind you, it took me a while. I was, I was focused on the far end. I didn't realise there was one just to my left and, you know, on the, on the, on the side stanchion of the uh, of the floodlights. I was kind of squinting yeah. to see the far end one. 
But yeah, so Greg Dyke, who's uh, he's, he's on the board of Brentford, I believe, isn't he? The um, he used to be chairman, didn't he, and owner? Um, yeah, because they went through a tough time, but they they they're, they're in um, a more moneyed position these days, aren't they? They have got more backing than they they perhaps had in their old third and fourth division days. Yeah, I mean, you know, some readers would know they kind of follow the money ball approach in baseball. I know we've discussed it before. Yeah, um, it, it's not really money ball. It's just you know, it's stats based. Um. And I've seen the way they kind of judge players as well. It's quite interesting. Like, um, you know, about not really divulging secrets at mm, all. But, yeah. um, you know, it's like if you had championship manager, for example, you know, um, you'd, you'd give Messi four stars, Ronaldo four stars, etc. Steve Morrison, and, four stars. Well, you know, I was going to say, and then you get down to Tony Craig and, you know, you, you, you start <laughs> wondering how many points of one star would give him. That, that's unfair. But um, what... Tony Craig is kind of a kind of good example. So, you know, um, I think Tony Craig was given three stars a couple of seasons ago. And, you know, it's not based on necessary ability. Mm. It's kind of based on the effectiveness within the team. And, and uh, level, level you're playing at, I guess, as well. I mean, Yeah, and also um, how well the team performs when you're missing from the you know, the lineup. So, you know, like Keith Stevens. Yeah. You know, no one in the world would want him to sign Keith Stevens. But when he was missing from Millwall, you know, Millwall felt it. You Absolutely. Know, it's kind of, so it's, it's cleverly done. Um, well, I guess I guess our own recruitment team. I mean, we're not privy to this, the secrets of um, Alex's world now, but I'm guessing it must be some similar approach. There can't be that many different ways to do it. I mean, it depends on your level, your need, team style, and. Funny enough, I did introduce Alex to my mate, and I think my mate took him out to lunch. Friend of the stars. This is why we got you I, on the show. Um, I know. Name uh, dropper. Alex Aldridge, you know. <laughs> I, knew, I knew him when he was a 12 year old, picking my stuff. <laughs> uh, he's, he's done well for himself, but, you know, he's, he kind of, you know, he's, he's trying to follow in the, the same thing, which is, you know, a good way to go because um, they sign players. Um, they try and make a profit on, so they're not yeah. going down the old route of, um, you know, signing. Premiership has been to a 35. Uh, the you know, the Holloway method, that's called, I believe. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, it's an intelligent way to go, really, in today's world. Well, in all, in all seriousness, I mean, Brentford are a, a, a role model of, of overperforming for, for the size of club that yeah. it is. Um, and that method clearly, clears has it, you know, has its has its success there. I mean, I, yeah. I thought they played well on the, I mean, we, we, we were unlucky, they, but they played well. They did. I mean, they had a few good players. You know, they the goalkeeper mm. had a stormer. Um, but the, the 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 Brentford fans, or you know, the in the directors were mm. obsessed with the size of Millwall's players. Um, you know, because they were talking about Danny Shue, but they just couldn't get over how big um, Cooper was. Right. And it's sort of like you know, how tall is he? How tall is he? I said he's only four foot eleven. You're looking at it the wrong way. <laughs> but um, to, to take it to real extremes, you know, um, Elliot came on. They said, "Oh, it's another big bloke." Yeah, yeah. And then when um, Fred came on, Fred's like, <coughs> "God, he's tall as well." That's what I mean. so, he's tall for a small bloke. <laughs> so like, yeah, he's one of the smallest people in Millwall. But <laughs> you see Fred against the Brentford players. He did look a bit bulky, didn't he? Um, I suppose he did. Um, it's, it's, it's strange when you get other people's angles on your own team because I, I wouldn't have thought of us being physically that large, you know. Um, but then, I suppose comparing it with the Brentford side, I suppose we, we one or two of them did tower over them. But I wouldn't have said that was a decisive factor in the game. No, I mean I remember um, I went to England, Scotland at Hamden, not Hamden Park, Celtic Park, a couple of years back. Mm. It was the same thing. I couldn't believe how 
thick set the England players were compared with the Scotland counterparts. It's in their genetics, Neil. It's, it's a genetic thing. You know, I think it's more in the vitamins and whatever else they're injecting. <laughs> um, well, you... it, it was a similar thing, but it was quite funny because um, George Savile, they absolutely hated because he was clearly niggling every single player off the ball, which absolutely. I found really funny. Um, <laughs> but of course... It was funny because we always moan about refs, but just hearing them go on about Probert was hysterical because, um, you know, I could see why Probert was giving us the free kicks and not Brentford because when George Savile went in, he was going for the ball. Mm. But obviously there's a way of going for the ball where you know you're going to take the man and you win the ball kind of thing. Yeah, you know, yeah. players, they say, you know, he knew how to pull the foul or whatever. Yeah. But when they retaliated, they were nowhere near the ball and clattering him. And so obviously it was a foul. You know, it was kind of, they weren't as clever as um, he was. Not schooled in the uh, dark arts. Savile. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, I, and I guess also Tunnicliffe. I mean, he's come from Fulham, and I don't know if I am where else, but you'd expect him to be equally. He's an experienced player, so like yeah. Savile, you know, that, I, it's a side of the game that's not always apparent to the spectator. Yeah, I haven't seen on the message boards, but I thought we had a really good game on Saturday. He was better, um, yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, because um, I obviously saw it from a different angle, but... He was really mopping up really well. And when he lost the ball, you know, he went hell to leather, Millwall style, to win it back. Um, there was one instance, was it the second half, where he, he ran halfway across the pitch to stop an attack? A kind of sliding was, tackle, yeah. Yeah, slide in. Yeah, I thought he did really well, actually. I thought um, I thought Savile was a bit off his game, but as you know, I was saying that, because I was speaking to one of the reporters after the game, mm. and as I was saying, well, you know, we were missing the spine of the team, really. You know, oh, we yeah. had um, Webster and Williams. Webster out, Williams out, Morrison. and obviously Morrison out as well. And I think that had an effect more than anything. There was no natural rhythm to the the play. Although um, when um, Gregory put it in the net and we got the penalty, I did turn to my mate and say, you know, Gregory's going to miss this now. <laughs> he went really, but yeah. <laughs> no doubt. When when the goalkeeper walked away, I went, yeah, spot on. He's going to miss. Any attempt at mind games by me will really, really works. I thought even the delayed entrance to the second half, I didn't really see what we were gaining by by hanging on and hanging on. But I'm not sure we're really as a, as a, as a club always cut out for mind games in in that way. Um, Williams, I, I just going back to Tunnicliffe and and Savile as a, as a midfield. I think the. They're both good players, but they're both similar players, aren't they? There's no one really that I can think of that we're going to have that's going to have the passing ability of, of Sean Williams until he comes back, hopefully, to to you know to full fitness. He's going to be a real loss in that side. Yeah, oh, I'm not too sure. I think, you know, Savile can do the passing game. Um, you know, he could step up to that. Mm. Um, but I think it's going to take him a couple of games to get used to adapting his play, you know, because he can pass the ball. Um, you know, when we watched the um, Reading game, yeah, he was yeah. arguably our best player, obviously with the goals, but he was passing the ball, etc. Yeah, no. Um, yeah, I, I wasn't overtly worried. Um, you know, because you know we did have chances. You know, their keeper made a couple of really good saves. He was um, a quality we, keeper. I mean, yeah, I'm... we hit the post, and yeah. you know, um, had a few chances. You know, we could have easily won that game. Um, and you know the one probably decent. No, they had a few chances, you know. And they, I know um, Archer hit one over the bar. But they they, they, they had a, got that goal. They yeah, had a couple of opportunities. Yeah. Now, two interesting things that you mentioned to me, and the reason really why I wanted to talk to you tonight, Neil, really was. Um, I you, thought it was for my charming personality. And it's your birthday. I thought yeah. I'll let you on the show as it's your birthday so yeah. soon. You know, um, 
the drugs test. You said you were privy to seeing the um, the the FAE drugs testing regime, um, which it, apparently... it, yeah, it wasn't really the drugs testing person. You know, I wasn't there while they were peeing into a bottle. So don't worry <laughs> so about that, that sounds a bit pervy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. Um, but um, yeah, because um, my mate took me. Um, me and Stan were on the pitch at the yeah. end of the game because oh, okay. uh, we were going down the players' tunnels. And the time was very, very old school. You know, you've got dressing room, dressing room, right. referee, standing room, that's it. Yeah. And then you go out, you're outside the stadium. Yeah. And um, I was going there, O'Brien and Arthur were there. Um, uh, we've come for representatives. We weren't sure what was going on. And yeah. they were filling out some paperwork. And my mate was saying, yeah, you know, that's part of the thing, lots of paperwork. And then we saw on the back, you know, um, anti doping. Um, the FA's anti doping yeah, thing. Yeah. Thing, yeah. And there were two Brentford players there as well. So, you know, it was quite interesting to see, you know, they had to fill out the paperwork and then um, obviously go away and do the business. And um, <laughs> Arch, Arch and, uh, that's sweet. Yeah. Well, Arch and the two um, Brentford players were, were still at it when I left at six. You know? it's, um, but apparently it does take a while. You know, you read a lot of stories. Um, well, you've got to find the fluid. I mean, they've just, they've yeah. just worked their bollocks off for 90 minutes on the pitch, haven't they? And, um... uh, it just it reminded me of um, when Stuart Pearce in 1990, when he missed the penalty, he was one of the England players selected to do the drug test. Yeah. And the mirror run the headline, too choked to pee. He was so upset, <laughs> he, he couldn't have a wee for about three hours after the game. I was just ahead of this conversation. I took the chance to look on the um, the FA's website. They've got, they've got quite a lot of information about the... Um, you know the the anti-doping um, initiatives. There's really no excuse for any player that ever does get caught at it because there's not there's no shortage of info on on the FA website and a whole torrent of of um, you know um, uh, substances that you're not allowed to have. Which, um, interestingly, you're not allowed to take LSD, which sometimes can help um, mm. when you're watching the, the Millwall or cocaine's out there as well, apparently, and MDMA. Um, but there's a whole, there's loads. Oh, I'm not going to go anymore. <laughs> There'd be a few that will get barred in the crowd down there. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's an interesting thing. I mean, it, looking at, on Wikipedia and the famous doping incidents, and I suppose the most famous one of all would have to be Diego Maradona in the 1994 USA World Cup when he famously um, eyeballed the, the TV camera after scoring a brilliant goal. Yeah. It's got to be said. Funny when you said that and you said the most famous, I thought you were going to say 1978 and Willie Johnston for Scotland. Willie Johnston, yeah, which was he... the first one ever, um, I believe. He was it, sent uh... home from Argentina, wasn't he? Um... Yeah, but because um, there, there's a really good book, and I could highly recommend it to your listeners, and none of them will probably read it because it is about the Scotland 1978 World Cup. But um, <laughs> they interviewed Johnston, and you know he was saying what he was taking was what. They were given by the clubs, you know. Um, West Brom had given him, you know, this. It was kind of like a pet pill, bit him in. I think Richard Sadlier has said similar, isn't he? In, in the yeah. early two thousands, you know, they were just given stuff to, you know, liven you up, you know, um, pull yourself together type of thing. Yeah. Just through pain. And he said, you know, he took this because you know he got it from I think it was the West Brom doctor or, or something to do with the West Brom staff he was mm. playing with, and. Um, you know, he said he took it before the game, and he, he still played terrible. And um, he was in the, um, you know, in the medical centre after the game with the two Peru players and Kenny Dalgleish. And he knew something was up when he realised that his sample was darker than Dalgleish's or a completely different colour. <laughs> and um, what, what's less known is um, whether it was in a share of support or whatever, but um, Don Masson, uh, the Derby County midfielder. Yeah, I remember him well. Who, who missed the penalty. Notch County as well, yeah. Yeah, he... Um, he um, went to um, Ali McLeod 
in some kind of fit of loyalty to Johnston, I don't know what, and said he'd also taken something right. and never played another game for Scotland. Right. So, um, you know, there was a lot going on behind the scenes. I think it was quite prevalent um, in the seventies, definitely in English football. I can't think of any. Um, I can't think of any Millwall players that have ever fallen foul of of this subject. I mean, I suppose the nearest we've come to it was when we rehabilitated Jamie Stewart. Um, mm. Again, going back to the uh, the, the kind of uh, the classic two thousand two thousand two type era, um, he he'd fallen foul at Charlton, I think, for possession or use of of um, uh, weed and and the like. Mm. Um, and we 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 kind of offered him a route back into, you know, back into the mainstream, which I think often is our role in life for many yeah. many in many yeah. cases. I mean, there's a few, isn't there? You know, that they've been done for cocaine and what have you. Yeah, uh, more more. Um, Recreational than recreational, you know, yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, and then there was um, the famous um, Rio Ferdinand when he refused to do his drug test or forgot or whatever story you believe, or couldn't get any liquid out, whatever the case may be. I don't know. Yeah, but... he, um, and um, couldn't, it was banned for six months or whatever. But, yeah, um, yeah. It's um, you, you don't get a lot as well, not as lot as you do, you know, overseas kind of thing. No, again, just looking at the um, the FA's website, I mean, they're, they're listing how many players, how many violations of um, of, of their drug testing. There are just nine in the most recent year, 2014-15, 2,286 tests, nine um, violations, as they put it. I don't know what that means. Um, year before, 2013-14, four. Um, there is a Daily Mail story, so it must be true um, that they wanted to that some recreational drug use amongst Premier League players was found and, and and kept quiet, as they put it. So I suppose that's brand brand protection, I guess. Um, they, they seem to have a fairly enlightened view of it, to be honest with you. you know, they, they, they they seem to speak more of rehabilitation and working with players rather than looking to outright ban. I guess it, it's only where performance enhancing would come into play that you might look you know more harshly at it yeah i mean you know i think without wishing to sound controversial i think there's a difference between kind of recreational um drug use where you know you may have been on a night out and been pressurized and you know got caught and you know taking steroids and actively cheating absolutely uh, i'm just, you know, just, just as a maradona was pumped full of drugs when he was a kid in argentina apparently to help him grow yeah so, I, mean, I think messi i mean Lionel messi i mean was quite a small child and again he spent his life in, in the barcelona system which um you know who, who knows what, what what may have gone down there but i mean maradona certainly is probably the most famous famous case um it's, it's just an interesting contrast i'm just looking at some of the other sports doping in association football is the, is the name of the article i'm looking at here but you contrast it with the likes of cycling where you know it's almost institutional um and then there's the the famous east german olympic um movements of the of the 60s 70s where doping was almost like you know part and masking it was was on an industrial scale um Football doesn't really come into that that level, does it? I mean, it's it's the odd the odd famous case and and a little bit of um, a little bit of naughty for the most part. It doesn't seem to have ever gone down the real steroid yeah. baseball type style stuff. No, there was a I think there's a Haiti defender who got banned in '74, and then um, there was Johnston. But after that, the next one was Maradona. Maradona in, in the US. Yeah. But there we are. But, um... So yeah, yeah, so it's clearly Archer and, and O'Brien passed because we haven't seen any uh, <laughs> any scandal about them since Brentford. So um, yeah, but they, they don't test them after every game. It's kind of random, really a random spot check, which is why it was interesting because even my mate wasn't sure who they were until you know 
we saw emblazoned on their high fizz jackets and he don't think the team, you know, whatever. Um, but you know, it was amazing. You know, it's, it's literally they just drag him up as soon as they come off the pitch. You know, uh, I think Archer just taking his gloves off. He still had all the you know the kind of the strapping and bandaging around his hands kind of thing. Yeah, I suppose the more time you give him, the more time you have got to get water inside you and flush it through, and it dim you know dilutes. I guess. Um, nah, so you... it doesn't work like that. There, there'll still be traces. You know, they've got to take fluids to go. Yeah. Um, it's you know I think it's just part and parcel really that. Interesting. Yeah. What an insight um, into the behind the scenes, though. I mean, Stan must have loved that. I mean, it must be it must be a real kind of um, glimpse of um, you know how the game really works. He did because where we stood is kind of where they put the barriers for the local press. So um, obviously they've got the TV cameras on yeah. the pitch, they're like Lions TV, Brentford TV, and ran, yeah. yeah. Yeah, around the other side they had all the nationals, and then the the locals were just like lodged outside the dressing room and had to catch players as they came out. Yeah, and um, I think Stan ended up getting fifteen autographs uh, from Mill players, <laughs> and um, photo with Lee Gregory and um, Aidan O'Brien and Neil Harris. And Neil Harris was lovely with him, really nice with him, because um, he saw us before because we saw him going into the referees room. Yeah, and um, he came out and so I recognised that. I said, "You know, can you sign it?" Said, oh, I didn't realise you'd be waiting. He said, "I would have done it first You know, um, <laughs> he then said, "You know, I think all the players are gone." I said, "Well, we know Aidan O'Brien's in. He's waiting for Aidan O'Brien." Yeah, yeah. And he slung Aidan O'Brien out of the dressing room to sign Stan's programme. These so, are yeah. fantastic touches, aren't they? I mean, I, I was also interested um, on the same kind of subject to see that the Junior Lions Day took place on on Sunday. And there was a pretty good turnout. I thought the pretty good first-team squad turnout. And there's, there's many clubs where, you know, the first-team players try to dodge this or swerve it. But you, you really can't say that at that Millwall, can you? I mean, from Morrison downwards... They're there. They show. They turn up and they do the right stuff with kids. They do. I mean, I mean, everyone we are signed. So you know, got Jake Cooper and what have you. We we missed Joel Savile. Yeah. But um, mm. you know, we got with internationals. Um, it was the, gl- the, the glittering um, tapestry. Yeah. Yeah, but um, you know, he he got photos like I said with um, a few of them, and of course they look like miserable sin. But you know, as soon as you put them in front of the camera, <laughs> put, a, put a smile on to the camera. You know. So, where I said, oh, I bet that's going on Instagram or Snapchat now, you know. Yeah, it's great um, for kids, though, isn't it? This is yeah. this is what makes memories and this is what ties you yeah. to the club, you know. Um, I had a laugh with Conor McLaughlin when I said, yeah, he wants your graph, because I showed him you nutmegging two Germans on YouTube. <laughs> and he laughed, he went, yeah, I'll never do that again. That <laughs> <laughs> no, was a fantastic achievement. Um, what a brilliant afternoon, then, for apart from the result. Um, apart from the result, yeah, Stan loved it. Um, you know, he really enjoyed it. Um, and, you know, like I said, the players and Neil Harris were great with them. And, I, I, you know, we all know it, but it, it does go a long way, doesn't it? It Absolutely really does. It does. You know. Great to have you back on the show again, mate. No um, worries. And we'll catch up again very soon, I hope. Yep, excellent. I'm going to get back to watching Coronation Street now, listeners. The, the life of Crazy Horse. There you go. <laughs> So here come the Lions in the second half. No obvious substitutions to report, dear listeners. Lions going to be attacking the Colblow Lane end in the second half. Incidentally, Mr. Pfeiffer now appears to have bought entirely into the sound of Ibiza. He's laying down a, what some might describe as a hot club lick. One bloke down to my right is throwing a few shapes. I think he may have partaken of um, soft drinks. 
beforehand. Plenty of around me. Tell you that much. Lions kick us off. Good tackle by Conor McLaughlin on, on the uh, right side of the middle defence there. Just cutting out uh, a little ball forwards there towards the 19. Nicely done. Ball breaks. This is Steve Morris inside the box. Right hand side. Across the shoulder. 1-0. Oh, goal! Ball in from the right hand side to Walsley Gregory. Point on it by the Birmingham defender. 46 minutes. Grimes leading 1-0. That was the critical first goal that I was talking about, dear listeners. That was it. Let's watch it again on the big screen. Ball down the right hand side, it breaks. Morrison's first avoid, digs past his defender, cuts across the Birmingham goal and is put into the net by the uh, Birmingham defender's own goal. Own goal. O'Brien was sniffing. If it hadn't been own goal, O'Brien would have put it in. Let's spark the crowd up, dear listeners. They needed much spark, they just need a little bit of action. The game was falling a bit of a lull towards the end of the first half, but that's a good start to the second. O'Brien goes sprawling on the left hand side there to uproar from the east lower. What the referee's going to do, can't tell from this distance. They normally cut the big screen if there's any argy bargy. It's going to be a yellow card for the 28. Blokes just walks past with his little boy, he's got a pair of bunny ears, like, a, uh, like the kind of thing a little girl might wear bunny ears on. It's like something out of the Wicker Man. You see it all down here, dear listeners. Free kick from Millwall now. Right hand side, about halfway inside the Birmingham half. Crowd into the uh, into the action now. And a chance for Savile to float it in from the right hand side. Taken uh, quickly. This is Gregory on the right hand side. It's going to go for a goal kick. He just couldn't beat his man now. Slight sense of waste over that opportunity. I would like to have seen it slung into the middle. The goalkeeper looks very suspect. I would like to have seen him tested. Justice Hart and his summing up said saw an interview with Harris on, on the net in the week on the news at dead alright in which he refers to Birmingham spending I don't know they've spent about 10 million have they on, the, on their squad he says that anyone that spends that kind of money should be top 6 and they're not top 6 they don't look top 6 material by any stretch of the imagination they come down the right hand side ball into the 17 and heads it miles wide um, they've, they've not looked bad on, on occasions coming forwards. They, they've clung on in defence until the goal. The goalkeeper looks very suspect. Um, clearly, they've had a, a rocky start to the season under the, the, the uh, governorship of Harry Redknapp, which is never a good thing for any club to be involved in. And their current man's just trying to organise some um, stability out of chaos. But so far, it's not been a great night for them. 52 minutes, though. Still a long way to go in this. 56 minutes, Lions fighting tenaciously in midfield, Tunnicliffe challenging the, the, the Birmingham midfield there, goes for a little throwing. Crowd behind it, foreigners behind it, tourists are behind it, everyone's behind it. 57 minutes. I sound like I'm from Royston Vasey, don't I? It's like a local, local place for local people. We've got to open our doors if we want to get in the Premier League. Well, this has got to be what it's like every week. Fuck that. <laughs> Build a wall. Tony Island away from Europe. Foreigners are in the house. I'm only joking. Don't mean it. Three half of these are as pissed as half of Millwall support are. It's good atmosphere, dear listeners. What a way to spend your Saturday evening. It's fucking strictly come dancing, didn't it? McLaughlin's taking a bit of a bash on the, on the forehead. He's been treated for a few minutes. Cracking atmosphere inside the ground out there, listeners. 59 minutes. 
Ryan's leading it 1-0. Here comes Jed Wallace down the right wing. Taking his man on, he goes past one, but he's going to run into trouble with the second and concedes, concedes a free kick. He, he does, even though there is derision, hostility even, from my um, compatriots in block one. It's that decision, I thought it was actually the correct decision, but I'll wh wh whisper that. Birmingham pressing down the left. The uh, 14's come past that defence very nicely. Fired into Jordan Archer's near post and not quite clear by Millwall. Birmingham keep the pressure on. Nice save by Jordan Archer, incidentally. I, I didn't get that in there. The 14 looks like a dangerous player down this left wing. He's a, he's a um, couple of steps up the ladder from everyone else in that Birmingham side. Went past us like a knife through butter there. Mill just um, need to reform. Nice challenge there by Jed Wallace. Mill chance to, to break. Ball lofted forwards towards Steve Morrison. Takes it in his strike, and he? Tries to uh, take his man on. A little bit of um, head tennis. Tries an overhead. Cheeky move from Morrison there, but no danger in the event. 64th minute. It's an entertaining game for the watching Sky Millions. Billions around the globe, I would expect this to be watching this. After the, uh, the, you know, the investiture of the Pope and John Kennedy's funeral, this will be one of the biggest watch game events in TV history, I would expect. Challenging the moon landings via the miracle that is Sky Television and the internet. Long ball forward uh, to, left, to the left side there to Lee Gregory. Pauses, he's got Savile on the inside of him. Can Savile get the shot in? It's over the bar from the left side of the penalty area. 65 minutes. There's still some primitive tribes, incidentally, listeners. Thank, thank the courtesy of Sky Television and tonight's proceedings. Their only words of English will be Jed Wallace. And they meet them in the uh, depths of the jungle. Their first words are Jed Wallace. All over the top there towards Lee Gregory. On the left, he's got no support with him. Jed Wallace is behind him. Jed Wallace pulls in proceedings as Wallace takes on his man. He's going to try and get a cross in. He runs into trouble. He's going to go for a throw in as we tick towards 66 minutes. Halfway through the second half. The line's very much looking like they're in the driving seat. Still got to be careful. Birmingham still press forwards and that 14 looks a dangerous man down our left. But at the moment, the Lions should be expecting to press on. A second goal would certainly settle matters, I feel. I have the mental image of Manhattan Island being traded by primitive tribesmen in exchange for one of your Jed Wallaces. Ball through there is almost to Lee Gregory. Goalkeeper comes and takes. Your Amazon Basin, full of its riches, will be exchanged for one of your Jed Wallaces. You can't have him. He's too vital to our calls. I'm sorry, primitive tribesmen. You can't have him. It's the 14, halfway inside the mill half. 67, pushing towards 68 minutes. He sprays it out wide right. Balls into the box. That's headed clear by Tunnycliffe. Back to Birmingham. Another chance to push it into the uh, mill penalty area. It's Hutchinson with a clearance. Did I see something about Hutchinson having the most clearances in the in the championship? Some of the statistics they get now are quite mind-boggling, but he's got 100-odd clearances. Next man behind that, about 80-odd. It'd be from the Department of Made-Up Statistics, of course. Who's this? This looks like Shane Ferguson's coming in. Aidan O'Brien's coming out. 68 minutes, substitution for Millwall. What kind of stupid rule is that? They don't show you the controversial bits on the big screen. Can't have a drink, apart from my, my mates down in front of me. Can't watch the, the controversial bits on the, on the telly. What have we done to our game, dear listeners? Half and half scarves. Friendship match. Oh, I don't know. It's all shit, isn't it? Not many friendship scarves on offer at London Bridge, I would imagine, earlier on. Going by the Daily Mirror report. This is Meredith coming down the left. 72 minutes. Overlapping is Shane Ferguson. Nice move there. This is 
Wallace, ball floats across, he finds Steve Morrison, can't quite take it. Five back and that's a safe, quite a nice safe, hired in on, on the right hand side, quite an extreme angle by Morrison, 72 minutes, tipped over for a corner, Millwall on the left side. Morrison, uh, there's a close-up of Morrison, he's got some claret on his face, looks like he's taken a, a bash. Seems alright, it's a bit of claret, must be a little nick or something on his head. I think it might be taking Morrison out of the game. He's had a clattering as his first game back from injury. He's put a ship in tonight, dear listeners, I'll tell you that much. Good applause for Steve Morrison as he leaves the pitch. Yes, indeed. It's uh, Tom Elliott in for Steve Morrison. Good cheer for Tom Elliott. Got a little bit of stick last week, which I didn't like to hear at Brentford. He was coming back off of eight weeks out, six weeks out, whatever it was. But the, uh, the Mill crowd is unforgiving. Anyway, let's see if he can get something in there tonight. It'd be nice to see him use his physique to, uh, to our advantage. It's going to be a corner from the left side. It's near post. And referee gives a free kick for some shirt pulling or some such. 73 minutes. Ball breaks. This is Lee Gregory on the, on the halfway line. He's got Oya overlapping him fast on, on the left, almost as a winger. Gregory's got three defenders on him in the middle. Elliot shakes up to shoot. Last year, the goal could be forced to Tannicliffe. 2-0! Got the rebound, nicely done, side point home by Ryan Tannicliffe for his first goal for the Lions. 76 minutes, game to a match, Millwall! Nice shot by Tom Elliott there, by the way. Goalkeeper spilled it, forced Tannicliffe, who by the side puts it in. Let's watch it again in the replay. Nicely done, a little bit of um, ball juggling on, on the left-hand side. It falls to Gregory. Nice run down the left-hand side by Tom Elliott. He checks. Selfishly takes a shot, and I like to see that from the striker. The ball spills from the goalkeeper to Tony Cliff, whose side puts it in. 2-0, and a long way home for the Birmingham fans. A nice run, nice overlapping run there by Elliott. Probably not your, what you might have expected conventionally from a striker of his, his physique. But good run down the left-hand side. Nice check inside, and the confidence to take on the shot, which the goalkeeper pushed into the bar for the oncoming Ryan Tunnicliffe. So nice work to, and nice to see from Tom Elliott. You might as well fuck off. And these people agree with me. There we are. Everyone's said it's taken hold. It's one of those songs that's caught the moment. A bit like the Pepsi song. I like to give the world a Coke. The Pepsi song, the Coca-Cola song. You know what I mean, dear listeners. It catches a moment, doesn't it? As does the might as well fuck off song. Here's McLaughlin on the right hand side now. 78 minutes, Mill pressing forwards for the um, the party piece third goal if we can. There's a little ball into the box and onto the roof of the net from Jed Wallace. Cheeky move by Jed Wallace on the right hand side. Cross comes shot onto the roof of the net in the event. Some long faces in the Birmingham end appear on the big screen. They don't look brilliant tonight. They, they, the 14 by far their best player, Vassal. Otherwise, they've been okay-ish coming forwards without any great danger. Defensively, they've looked a little bit um, all over the place at times, but fuck them. As we push down towards the 80th minute, so 10 minutes to go. Shane Ferguson takes his man on. He's going to win a corner. Left-sided corner. Mill wall. Sponsored by Dean Wilson, the funeral directors. That's a good business to get in. My, my dad would always say that. Good business is to get into uh, funeral directors and dentistry neither of which I ever had any um, belly for. 
So there's a ball in from the left-hand side towards Lee Gregory from Shane Ferguson. Headed clear at the near post. Going to be a throw-in over near the, the left-hand corner flag. Dealing with dead people never appealed to me, but um, if you can deal with dead people, there's an endless stream of them. Market never goes away, and it's expensive stuff, as we all know. That's another subject, another podcast. I'm going to keep it out of this Millwall show. That should be the last few seconds of the game once Jordan Archer takes this goal kick. Neil Harris getting ready for his post-match interview. Suited and booted for the TV cameras. People need run, handshakes all around me. Three uh, valuable points to the Lions. Comfortably, in my opinion, which, dare I say, even routine. Second half, certainly. Um, Lions have looked very much in control. Birmingham have not shown much at all after a few uh, a late period in the first half. They started to get a little bit back into the game. But certainly in the second half, the Lions have dominated proceedings. Um, they're going to close out. The 11's coming down now. Left side, Craig can seize the corner. This will probably be your last chance saloon. Balls into the box there. That's going to be bouncing around. It's headed clear by Hutchinson. Back into the mix from the Birmingham forwards. Bit of head tennis. We'd have a chance for a shot. It's deflected straight into the arms of Jordan Archer. So, yeah, strong overall performance. Good shows by Steve Morrison returning from injury up front. Made all the difference. There's the final whistle. Lions win it 2-0. Um, good midfield performance. Good pressing from the front backwards. Defensively, we look sound. Jordan Archer didn't really have much to do. I'm going to pick up my man of the match as being Jed Wallace on, on the right. Steve Morrison gave him a very close run for it. But no one really played badly. Um, midfield, defence and forward line did their bit. Three valid points. We're going to be right back after these messages with Mr Harry Warren. Huge welcome back onto the show to Harry Warren. Welcome back, Harry. Good to have you. Yeah, cheers, mate. We were just saying off air, weren't we? Um, 5.30 kickoff on a Saturday night is slightly weird time to be playing a game of football. Um, blows your whole day apart in, in, in many ways, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. You see everyone else kick off at 3 o'clock or even mm. the early kickoff, you know. At least, at least I suppose you've got a bit of an afternoon afterwards, but... You wait about all day for half five kickoff, and you fucking by the time you get home and have your tea afterwards, it's nine half past nine at night. You know what I mean? It's not decent crowd, fourteen thousand plus. Um, I know Birmingham brought a fair turnout um, at the away end, but there's a, a lot of tourists in in the house last night. Um, I had a load of Americans, and I think they were German or Dutch. I, I couldn't couldn't tell which, but I think um, the five thirty kickoff in in a strange way helped bring in um what you might call the tourist trade for the evening i suppose it's a you know it's a bit of a dead zone to fill up isn't it 5 30 on a saturday night you're not quite going out yet but you, you you've got time to kill so going down Millwall seemed to be the um you know the venue of choice for a lot of tourists in town and poor poor fuckers i think it's trip trip advisor go and have a taste of old london town go down the den great result last night um I thought it was, I mean, the first half I felt was um, fairly even overall. I thought we were a better side in that first half, but it could have gone either way, couldn't it? Birmingham, when they did go forwards, without any cutting edge, didn't like a bad passing team on, on the attack. And I thought we were 
Um, you know, we, we we prevailed in the first half, but um, at nil nil, it can still go either way at the end of the, of the first forty five. Yeah, I thought it was. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot medical plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and t-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. I thought we were all right in bits. I thought it was a very poor game quality-wise, I thought. Well, you know, yeah. the passing for both sides in the first half especially was, was abysmal, really, and um, I haven't watched it back on Sky, but nothing will bring me to watch the first half back on Sky. <laughs> you know I mean, there's no, there's enough, no quality, apart from maybe Aiden's attempted sort of flick outside of the boot type <laughs> Um, yeah, there's one or two chances, not much. Um, it was interesting. I was that before we were speaking. I was just editing the sound file from last night, and in in real time, I thought we were, we were the the dominant side. Uh, listening to it back, I think there was probably more Birmingham possession and more Birmingham four race forwards, and I gave them credit for in, in at the time. But it, it was it, overall, I felt we did okay. It was a hard working first half. It was a hard working game, but it wasn't wasn't a beautiful object of art to look at, was it? No, but then, you know, we're, we're not going to do that, unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on what way you see that. We, we're we a battling side. It's yeah. an attrition. It was a war of attrition, you know. Um, it, it was very, it was almost like an old League One game, you know what I mean, against a, a sort of northern shithole yeah. kind of side, yeah. like a Berry. Why do I always go to Berry? Berry or someone <laughs> like that. You know what I mean? It's just, Birmingham didn't come there not to lose, I think, more than anything can... And um, you could see it in the first half, but I do think we do miss Sean Williams. Um, well, we uh, do. I mean, one of the, I've listed a few talking points on here, and the first thing I want to touch on with you, Harry, um, is the Savile and Tunnicliffe midfield. Now, um, post-match, obviously in the light of a 2-0 win, Neil Harris is praising his side. Rightly so. I think it was a good team performance. And in particular, he picked out Ryan Tunnicliffe, and I've also seen comments online praising him. In, in, I have to confess, and maybe I, maybe we all look at different games in, 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 uh, when we're, we're at the den, but I, I didn't think it was all that great. He, he wasn't bad, and he got the goal. Um, so it was a good performance in that sense, but I, I, he wasn't a standout for me. I, I would have picked other players over, over Tunnicliffe, but um, hard-working, um, someone called him a, a white Jimmy Addo, and, um, you know, that, that's not bad. drug. <laughs> it's, that's that's no no um, bad comparison, but um, it didn't stand out. I think that's the point I'm trying to struggle towards. How did you see Tunnicliffe last night? Did he did he impress you? No, I don't like him at all. I think he's a luxury. 
Right, okay. A luxury, a luxury don't do any of the work for me at all. Right, um, okay. But, I, I, I mean, he he done the thing. He looks very good playing four-foot passes. I mean, Josh Wright looked very good playing four-foot passes. <laughs> that, that's all he is to me. He's another Josh Wright. He's not a Millwall player. Another Josh Wright, oh. gone from being the, the white Jimmy Abdu to another Josh Wright. I don't know what that is. That's a, that's an Essex version, perhaps. Um, I... I don't know. I mean, it's, it's odd. I mean, everyone sees the game differently, and and I think um, Harris may be trying to um, boost his, his 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 midfielder up a little bit. He's giving him particular praise. I I didn't see any of the quality that made him. Uh, was he Manchester United's um, Player of the Year? I believe in in a few years ago, playing alongside the likes of Pogba and, and others up there. So I didn't see any of that kind of quality. That's for sure. I'm, I'm, sounds like I'm knocking him, and I don't mean to. He just didn't impress me over much. I I just don't think he's got. I think he's very negative, um, especially in possession. For someone with a, a supposed great range of passing, you know, Williams looks gets up. Maybe that it will come in time, but in the couple of games I've seen him now, there was one point last night in the second half. We were one new up at the time, but he picked the ball up on the centre circle, was mm. facing back to goal, back to the offensive goal, looking at his own goalkeeper and back four, and he plays a four-foot sort of driven pass into... Jake Cooper. Now, Jake Cooper himself isn't having the best of time since coming back into the side. No, no, I agree. Yeah. He's not Byron. He's not, he doesn't take the ball. He doesn't have the confidence to bring the ball forward. He's only going to hit a ball long, a bit like in the Paul Robinson mould. You know what I mean? He's only going to hit it one way. Now, if you know that, why are you giving him the fucking ball with a four-foot pass where you've got Conor McLaughlin, who I thought was man of the match, um, yeah, a good performance. I'd certainly uh, name him. Yeah. Um, yeah, to go forward, I just think that's why. And he's made Savile a worse player. That that's the thing. If you if you're playing them together, our best player before we lost Williams was Savile, and now yeah, yeah, Savile's going anonymous. And I think Savile's more of a Savile losing. We've almost lost Savile and Williams by playing Tunnicliffe. Yeah, I mean, it makes you wonder if there's a place for Ben Thompson in that midfield at all. I mean, if he's if he's not starting. I mean, may, perhaps um, given the injury to Sean Williams, who is a, who's a, in Millwall terms and possibly many other teams in our league, he's a fairly unusual quality pass of the ball. You, you don't see that many of them out there, Harry, do you? I mean, maybe at the, the very top spending end you might see it, but in terms of average championship clubs and even, even back in League One, he, he, he stands out. Um, so his loss is, is, is a major one. Um I don't know. I'm, I suppose I was just struck by the the praise, particularly for Tunnicliffe. I, I just didn't think was. I gave him a six out of ten when I, I went onto the news at then. I just thought that was about par for the course. He was a par for the course midfielder for us last night. I just don't get the, um, you know, the, the the kind of worship fest of of, of Tunnicliffe last night. I do think we are missing Sean Williams, and we're going to be have to get used to being without him for some time. It seems. Um, on the subject of subterfuge and and, um, and and false news, fake news, and and, and stories, the return of Steve Morrison, I, I had him marked down for, you know, a, a month plus six weeks of, of of loss of Steve Morrison, and there he was last night. I I thought he did very well for us. I thought that was his best performance of the season, to be honest. Um, that was Morrison in League One almost, um, mm. and. Okay, I didn't go to Brentford, so I, I I don't know what we look like at Brentford. But he's not, you know, he's only good if he does what he done last night. He, I know we aim to play football, but if you compare that to the Forest game, first game of the season, Millwall didn't go long that night. We played football, and we, we did. Yeah. We play football when we want to. 
So if we're not going to play Morrison, I do think we need to have another style to our game, whether or not that comes back to the, we've not really got a midfield anymore and we're not really, to lose Morrison, Williams and Webster all at the same time, I suppose would knock any team for six. But yeah. um, I think I think going forward, Morrison was, he's back to his whole self. How many performances like that has he got left in him? I know he done the cheeky. People keep writing me off. Well, to be honest, Steve, I, I, I can't. I can't say anything else. And I probably wouldn't say it to your face with your bleeding head standing there. But you, you, you've been shit for a large part of the season. And last night was the first time, other than maybe the Leeds game, where you've turned it on. I mean, he's, he's um, obviously he's been injured recently. Injured anyway. I don't know how long. I don't know enough about stomach tears or stomach muscles to to speak with any. Any any authority at all, but um, I thought it was a remarkably quick recovery from an injury that, by the sounds of it, sounded like it was going to keep him out for some time. And you're right, I, I thought it was one of his better games for us. He's it, perhaps it's the rest, Harry. I mean, he's he's had a fortnight off basically. Um, the pace is relentless in this league, and he's at the at the, the upper end of his career now. I mean, he must be feeling the pace of, of the championship. But then last night was a pacey game. It was it was a it, as you say, it was a League One performance in in many respects. Yeah, yeah, it was. But he, that's the thing, though. He, I don't think he's 90 minutes even. I think maybe he's got 60 minutes in him. You know, he does the, he's done the hard work. He, he's he's relentless in that 60 minutes. I mean, regardless whether or not you've been playing well or nothing, he can't mm. blame him for not trying. He does try. He gives you effort all the time. But when the difference is when Elliot come on, Elliot is, you know, not as good in the air, I suppose, as Morrison, maybe not. Not when it actually gets to him, but just working out where he's got to be to win win the header. Yeah. Um, but you know, he gives us something different. He's not all about just hitting them on pace. I mean, it was so the the second goal is basically made by getting him behind and Gregory finding a pass. Well, you know, we've been you know, we thought Aiden might be that player to go on beyond who had another good game. But it's there are good. there are options up front. It's just I think Morrison needs a rest, but I don't think he's the character to understand that he needs a rest. Do you, you understand what I mean? I think he'd be, I think he would give you a lot more ag if he wasn't playing in the side maybe all the time. I mean, Harris kind of said that. He said he was pissed off at coming off because he'd taken a, a knock on the head. Um, Morrison brings you what I call guile. Um, he, he's got that kind of um, ability to work situations and almost understand the... Um, what you might call the emotional intelligence of the, of the defence and, and how to get under their skin and work little spaces. The goal came from him taking on his defender and then getting a cross into the box, which was either going to be put in by the defender, as it turned out, or I believe it was Aidan O'Brien sniffing behind, who, who would certainly have slammed it in. And that was a pure Steve Morrison goal created from, from next to nothing in some ways. And that's what he brings. Um, I was interested when Tom Elliott came into the game because I've always marked him down. And I said in the live piece that I've always had him down as the the kind of um, the big strong target man, which is uh, has a, has its limitations. <clears throat> but I felt I mean that was, a, that was a nice run that he made for the second goal. Um, as you say, uh, Gregory had to find him, Harry. But it was a nice run into the box, and he, he he checked and took a shot. They had the confidence to take on the shot from a, a tight angle, which the goalkeeper spilled, of course, um, leading to Tunnicliffe scoring. I just thought that was a that was um, an interesting move. It'd be nice to see Elliot develop his game down Morrison Morrisonian avenues. Do you know what I mean? It's it, not just being the big the big brute up front. Yeah, I, I think 
I think he's got a bit about him, to be honest. It was quite a lot. He looked like he went away from him. He didn't just run into space. He was going away from his man. Yeah. Which normally, when you have a target man up front, you think, oh, it's a bit of a laboured run forward. And that's probably the only downside to our side is really without Wallace, you are missing a bit of pace, um, especially yeah. on the counter. And quality uh, on the wing, yeah. I mean, I mean, Twardick, I'm calling out for Twardick, but uh, nobody seems to be listening. Um, but um, I mean, anyone's seen enough of him to, to take a judgment, really, Harry? I mean, certainly um, we need something, that's for sure. I mean, Wallace does take out Wallace from that team and we would look very, very ordinary. I mean, it was another great performance. I, I, I picked him as my man of the match last night. I mean, I wouldn't argue with a choice of Morrison, McLaughlin also. Wallace, for me, was it. Um, a real quality player. I mean, a player at a level beyond what we would have expected to be able to field, if in all honesty, with a club of our, of our economic size and, and standing in the, in the league. He's, he's a level up from what we would expect, isn't he? Yeah, he is. He definitely is. But then that's the thing. That is the level to go and find. You know, that's Absolutely. The yeah. With the money sloshing about at the top end of this division, there's a few players, I'm presuming, like that, that are going to drop into maybe us but, and other players. Right? Just simply because the clubs have got so much money that they can afford to take the risk from the lower division, buy them for three or four million, and then take the loss to sell them for a million to us. You, you know what I mean? I just... It's a mad league. I mean, you look at it last night with the win, we're now five points off the playoffs and six points off the relegation zone. Yeah, and I, I mean, there was a story on the news then about Birmingham having spent, I don't know how many millions, they spent um, a lot of money and, and I thought they looked very poor, to be absolutely honest. If that's what spending that kind of money can achieve, well, you're better off, as we are looking, for the, the diamonds in the rough, aren't you? There's certainly no, no sense of team spirit in that side and that's what we've got oodles of I mean that's 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 the great thing that Neil Harris has produced is a a squad that will play for each other and that that for me was the the message of the result last night it was hard working squad performance yeah it was that's that's us we've got you know we've got 11 warriors really we found that out last season every every question that gets asked them the cut run showed that the way we snuck in on the last day the, the win away at Scunthorpe you, you know the the, t- the side's basically the same, isn't it? Or at least the group is the yeah, same. The basis adding, of it, yeah. Barring adding two unbelievable free transfers. I, I mean, how the fuck is Conor McLaughlin at Millwall? I don't yeah. know. <laughs> I mean, the bloke, the bloke nutmegs German defenders with fun. And last time, the done, done the stupid idea of trying to take him. It just doesn't... How was he at Fleetwood Town? You know, this, this is what you're... Yeah. Like, the recruitment team have done a fantastic job to find these players um, I, I know he was in the League One team of the year which I only found out by looking at the programme from Wembley that they picked him and Meredith so he basically bought the best two players in League One at left back and right back um, for both, nothing both of whom I mean I'd say the same about James Meredith a very underrated um, player uh, McLaughlin's getting the plaudits because of his international duties but he's also he's, he's doing the business on the pitch at Millwall um, both players that seem to really enjoy themselves at the den. Um, and that's, I think that's, um, Harris referred last night, I think it was a, a tweet, and I can't remember where it goes now, but it's something along the lines of um, when they make a signing, Harry, the, the character of the player is as important as anything else. You've got to be a certain type of player to respond to the, in some ways, unique atmosphere of the den. Um, both James Meredith and Conor McLaughlin seem to be those players. They seem to love it down there, don't they? They seem to really respond to the the adrenaline surge that you get on on the big nights like last night. Yeah, I think McLaughlin's got that a little bit from, obviously, as you said, the international 
international career with Northern Ireland, I suppose, being the underdog in every game you go into, probably yeah. suit because now he's the underdog most of the games that Millwall played, to be honest. Um, Meredith's a bit different for me. Meredith is a very, very good championship-level player. I think he should never have been in League One for as long as he was. Whether he could go to the next level, I, I don't know. We'd have to find out. But he does look a better player when he's got Ferguson in front of him. I yep. think he's a especially going forward he's more of a he knows that he goes to the halfway line when you've got Aiden in front of him because he's never getting back you know what I mean but mm. um, especially and I saw that for the last 20-25 sort of minutes last night kind of thing but they've both been brilliant brilliant signings I mean you can only imagine what life would be like if we had Tony Craig down the left hand side I mean there's no <laughs> we saw him briefly last night I found it quite a bizarre change to, to make that late in the day I, I thought it can only confuse the defence but I mean what do I know football matters but I wonder whether there was an appearance money issue or something maybe he gets a few quid before Christmas for turning up late in the game or something I don't know I, I mean he's arts in his right place I mean, you'd rather, you'd I'm, rather, jo- I'm joking listeners by the way <laughs> you'd, you'd, rather, you'd rather be getting Tony Craig money rather than some snotty nose in Premier League yeah true absolutely um, I, don't, I don't know I think we're probably three or four players light from being any higher up in the table if I'm being honest I don't really see us slipping into that relegation quagmire just because of how good the home form is um, I mean it was funny last night I have seen they put up that we've got the worst away form in the in the division um, which I think doesn't really represent how well we have played away from home in the games that I've seen us away from home anyway yeah, I mean we've got two two very tough fixtures looming, Harry, haven't we? On that on that on that subject, actually, Cardiff away next Saturday, and then the midweek up at uh, Sheffield. So I can't see the the away form um, getting any better. But we, we we haven't played as badly as that as that line there suggests. I think we've, we've looked um, we looked okay on occasions away from home. Um, we just need a, a stroke of luck and a, the ball to break for us. Basically, I think if we uh, can up the points that we. We um, have dropped maybe yeah. bad, bad refereeing decisions or so on and so forth. Um, we'd be we'd be right up there. We'd be on the edge of the playoffs. And with the size of the squad that we've got, which we've touched on, yeah. I think that's all you need to know. I mean, you drop two, you drop two at QPR. Probably could add one at Brentford, one at uh, Nottingham Forest. Wouldn't have been out of the question. That's four points there, just off the top of my head. You know what I mean? So yeah, I, I think I think it's a league where. If you're five points off at Christmas, you might, you know, if we're here where we are now, five points off the playoffs at Christmas, who's to say the recruitment team won't pull another diamond out the rough of somewhere? But for a first season back, we ain't doing bad, really. I know it's early days, but we don't look like we deserve to go down. And no. we definitely don't. I don't think, you know, they've, they've spent a lot of money burning them. I mean, that jot I come on them was anonymous. Um I, I think they, they look poor. They're very yeah, he got the set, really, weren't he? So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if we if we are in this kind of mid-table-ish position going into the January window, um, it'd be interesting. I mean, obviously the recruitment team look for diamonds in the rough. It'd be interesting to see if um, there is a, a move level of money available for players to come in. Um, I, I, I do think the squad probably shows its, um, you know, the, the, the seams, seams start to uh, fall apart slightly with one or two injuries, as we've found recently. So um, our next target probably is going to be the Burton home game on the 4th of November, which will be another winnable game. And if we can get out of those two away games, I think will be can only be regarded as a bonus. Um, but no, I agree with you, Harry. I think that um, we're certainly uh, too good to go down, to coin a phrase. 
and mid-table will not be a bad outcome for a first season back in the Championship, given where we've been in, in recent seasons. No, I agree. I think maybe the loan market might be where we go. I mean, I, don't, I, I personally think it's worth fucking trying to get Tim Cale in the run if they qualify for the World Cup. Wouldn't just that be to, great? I think, I think just for the commercial <coughs> aspect, I mean, Absolutely. Like, probably need to play games. Their whole season will be over. And you've seen it with other clubs going back to the thing. I think whether or not it'd come is another thing, and whether or not we'd have a nanny. But in this league, I mean, with Wallace whipping balls in, you just need that runner from midfield. Whether or not he can do it anymore, I don't know. But I think he would score goals at this level. I think and, at this level, I think he'd also bring the leadership. Um, I mean, one of the points that came out last night was the return of Steve Morrison bringing leadership. You can never have enough leadership on, on the pitch. And I think A.K. Hill in midfield would, would um, you know, dig out players when they need it, encourage them when they need it, and would drive a mill team forward. It'd certainly get the crowd into play, Harry, wouldn't it, if that were to come to pass? Yeah, I think you'd had three or 4,000 on a gate, you know what I mean, for the first game alone. Uh, Absolutely. That's, that's maybe, maybe living in a dream world, but other teams have done it, haven't they? Uh, I think of Omri going back to Arsenal and from from New York Red Bulls or wherever they are. But, yeah, yeah. You know, it, that's the kind of thing that we'd have to look at, I suppose. But I think there is probably money there. I think if you were five points off in January, I think it, Berylson's no mark. I think they probably regret the year that we were nearly there with Jacket of not spending sort of money. I yeah. think they do regret that and I don't think they'd make that mistake again. Um, because, you know, let's be honest... If a big money move coming for Wallace, I don't think Millwall could turn it down, could they, in the summer? So. I don't think the player could resist it either, in all fairness. But anyway, we can dream. I think I might close out this week's show. Instead of um, we'll meet again, I, I might dig out, we'll dream a little dream by the, the mamas and the papas to close out. Um, big thank you to Harry Warren for coming on this week's show. Um, thanks for diving around on a Sunday morning for me, Harry. And Hi, uh, we'll close out there. And we'll be back after next week's game versus Cardiff. So, um, arrivederci Millwall. Till then. You've been listening to Octoon Millwall, the CBL Magazine podcast. That's the Millwall News this week, and we are out of here. Stars shining bright above you Night breezes seem to whisper I love you Birds singing in the sycamore tree Dream a little dream of me Say nighty-night and kiss me Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to health care, it pays to be extra. 
And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.